Hey there, I'm Josh. And I'm Tara. And welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. The go-to resource for planning a wedding like a pro, reducing stress and enjoying the journey along the way. Whether you're a blushing bride or a dashing groom, a wedding planner, or just someone who loves all things wedding related, you're in the right place. Our mission is to provide you with practical and actionable advice on everything from finding the perfect venue to choosing the most stunning decor. And to make sure the journey to the big day is as stress-free and enjoyable as possible. From the tiniest details to the grandest moments, we've got you covered. So sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the latest trends, share inspiring stories, and offer expert advice from top wedding industry professionals. Thanks for tuning in. Today's topic is old school necessities. Change is the only certainty in life and weddings are certainly no different. It's no surprise that new generations of wedding planning couples are looking to personalize and modernize their marriage celebrations. This often comes at the expense of traditions and old norms. In many instances, this can be and often is a good thing. However, sometimes traditions are there for a reason, and that's our topic for today. So, Tara, what are we talking about here when we're saying old school norms? Um, I kind of take this as things that I grew up seeing at weddings, but, you know, they, they might kind of feel like old hat, not necessarily something that... Uh, couples now are doing. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would think about if you were having the conversation with your grandma and grandpa about your wedding day, they may try to influence you to have certain things at your wedding um, because it's what they had. Um, I've been in the industry now 17 years and I can tell you that 17 years ago, even weddings then are completely different in many ways from weddings to today. Um, and so it, it is, it's the, the old school things that um, you used to see, you know, in, in those days, just in people's, you know, wedding albums on their coffee table and not necessarily all over Facebook and Instagram. Um, but it's, it's those things that make people like, oh yeah, like you've been to a wedding if you've seen this. Um, and it kind of like was the definition of certain wedding experiences, I guess you'd say. Okay, I'm going to pull a pivot on you from what we uh, what we talked about planning. We were going to put the traditions that can and maybe should die at the end, but I think I want to pull those up to the beginning to uh, talk about some of those things and um, you know some of it that you you kind of implied. If you look at wedding photos, my parents got married in the '70s. You know, there wasn't a black tux in any of those photos. There was uh, <laughs> frilly lace on everything. If you look at the '90s, everybody wore a hat. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm sure there's things that we're going to look back and make fun of ourselves and, and our weddings for at some point. Um, in the interest of not triggering ourselves or any of our listeners, we can probably not speculate on that. But um, what are some of the other traditions that you would put into the category of things that we're probably going to see disappear in our you know personal careers? Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of um, brought up in a way one that I think of a lot when I think of today's weddings, and that is color. Like I, and, and I think it's starting to trend back to that we're going to see more color in weddings. But the last, I would say, almost five years of weddings wanted a lot of neutrals. And if you think about weddings that I did 17 years ago, it was hot pink and bright blues and teals and red was red was everywhere. And of course, I'm in now the town of Manhattan. So purple is, is here. And these days you see 
blush and whites and ivories and greenery and very muted colors um, in the color spectrum of weddings. Um, so color was probably the first thing that I felt like I noticed was a huge change over the last several years. Um, and like you said, from, you know, our parents, like my parents, I'm pretty sure had like baby blue tuxes. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely color color defined your wedding um, back in the day. And now color is a very much an afterthought, I feel. But, uh, but you mentioned you think that's coming back. So is this really a tradition that's coming and going? Or is this just purely a cyclical type of thing where, I mean, by definition, a generation's what, 15 years? So these things are just going to kind of happen, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't say it's necessarily a true tradition rather than trend, um, but it, it, you are seeing that more people are trying to bring some pops of colors. I think it's still 23 has still been a muted year. Um, 24, I haven't met with anybody yet that has like overly colorful wedding. Um, but I think that it due to what I'm seeing on social medias and stuff that it is going to, people are going to gravitate more towards bringing color back into the spectrum. Got it. Got it. All right. So in the vein of uh, what I'll call an actual tradition, things you've always seen at a wedding, I'm going to throw out the first one that I think is going to be uh, gone here very soon. And in a lot of ways kind of is gone already. And I don't personally miss it, but uh, garter removal. I mean, yep. that's, that's pretty much punted on um, completely at this point. Yeah, I have a lot of couples now that um, either A, are getting rid of the bouquet and garter toss completely, or they are still doing bouquet, but not necessarily doing garter, or the ones that still want to incorporate the whole garter and the single men to it are doing more of just the toss and not actually showcasing the removal of it. Um, and I think that comes down to people wanting to make the, I guess, experience for the guests, uh, you know, not awkward. Because um, I think that that, you know, when as a wedding planner, you know, again, I've seen the garter removal a ton of times, I've seen it done in a ridiculous amount of ways. And the one thing that I always seem to gravitate towards is watching like grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and like coaching my clients like, hey, like, make sure you don't do this when you are faced this way, you know, and stuff of that nature. And so I think people are just finding it tacky um, and deciding that, you know, having your, your groom or bride go up your dress just is not needed at all. Yeah, and I've got to admit, as a DJ, I've been certainly part of instigating that type of behavior. And, you know, somewhere in the past couple of years, it just kind of clicked that this might not be necessary anymore. Yeah. This might not be necessary. <laughs> uh, one thing that I do like is uh, Bri walks out, hands a groom a garter or, or bride a garter or something like that. Um, and, and you see it wrapped around like a football, for example, and it's thrown out into the uh, group the ones in my area that i think are really interesting is when you have a packer and a bear fan getting married which is you know fairly common because uh they live right next door to each other and so you'll you'll throw two footballs or one they get custom printed that's got both or something but i i always think stuff like that's cool um uh, you know as a guy that's been to plenty of weddings as a single guy i think it was always fun trying to beat the other guys to catch something and knowing that it didn't come directly off of someone's leg is uh, not anything that I would consider bad. 
Yeah. Uh, we we got married 12 years ago and I'm not going to lie. There were some of the things that we did at our wedding that I'm like, why did we do that after the fact? Um, but we, my husband had seen, I don't know if he saw it at a wedding. I mean, again, you know, TikTok and really Facebook and Instagram weren't all that big back 12 years ago, even, but he saw it somewhere where you pull out from underneath the dress, like multiple things. And so like he, you know, pulled out an umbrella and then there was, I think there was like the wedding planning notebook. There was like six different things that he pulled out before the garter and it was comical, but I think back and I'm like, okay, that was kind of corny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, what's a, what's another one that you think is uh, kind of a bygone thing that we used to see a lot? I think the smashing of the cake has seen its day. I'm not seeing as many couples um, put that, you know, they're, they're very elegantly feeding each other cake. Um, I still don't have as many used forks versus their fingers, but there's definitely um, some of my clients that, you know, take it even one more upscale. Um, we see sometimes that they'll do the cake smash kind of like to earn honeymoon funds. And so you have the two cake smash jars, his and hers, and, you know, put money in who you want to see, um, have cake in the face. And that, you know, A, earns you money um, as well as kind of brings that tradition, but doesn't necessarily have to be during your formal cake cutting experience and pictures. Um, and usually the, you know, the groom usually always loses, but um, that's definitely something that more times than not, I hear like, nope, we are not going to do that. Yeah, I was told in no uncertain terms that uh, it would derail the night if I did that when I got <laughs> married. And and a lot of it was just uh, never like this. Um, spent a lot of money on makeup. And I'd rather sweat it off than, you know, wipe it off, sweat it off dancing than wipe it off um, doing that. So I agree. Um, it's funny, but it almost seems like a, a sitcom slash uh, rom-com type of yeah. move opposed to something that you really do in real life. Yeah. And it, and I mean, it definitely has, I mean, I've seen tons of wedding videos where they've done it and it typically, you know, unless they are truly both going to go at it, it usually ends up, you see somebody's face that's not happy about it. Um, and then, yeah, they spend time having to clean it up and, you know, trying to get back to picture worthy makeup, um, you know, before their first dances and stuff like that. Um, and I would say in line with the, the cake smash, um, the same tradition I used to always see was the whole, like where you twist your arms and drink your champagne um, at the cake oh, table wow. right after cutting your cake. Yeah, like that all of a sudden, like nobody ever asks for that anymore. And I, I mean, I, I don't know at what point that died, but all of a sudden I just don't see that anymore. Yeah, another one that I haven't seen, and, and this is even at religious ceremonies, I, I can't think of the last time I heard the officiant say, if anybody has any reason why this couple shouldn't be married, <laughs> speak now. I mean, again, that's a rom-com thing. I've never seen that come up in real life, but I can't even imagine how that plays out right <laughs> yes yes yeah super awkward i think maybe in the last three years i've heard it maybe once um but yeah not not something you hear very much anymore yeah another one i'll point out um the uh vandalizing of the couple's car i, I remember <laughs> way back in the day that you would have somebody steal the keys and you tie cans which that's in that's entertaining that's entertaining i i understand that one but the more stuff you draw on windows, I've I've seen ones where there's ketchup, Vaseline under the 
the stuff and I'm like, man, are we in a college dorm parking lot or, you know, what are we doing? Um, I remember one group of friends uh, got married and the groomsmen um, somehow got a hold of their room key and trashed their hotel room. And oh, no. ended up, oh yeah. Yeah. That didn't go over well at all. There was uh, <laughs> there was a reckoning that next morning, but um, yeah, that bad thing. Anything else you would throw in there? Yeah. You know, the one thing I, I would analyzing cars i think that started to die down when party buses and limos you know started to become a thing more more so you know that a, you can't do that to those but people are choosing those more as their getaway car than rather personal vehicles um but yeah it's very rare that i see somebody going all out and decorating because even so those that are using personal vehicles it's usually like a convertible or you know an antique car or you know i had actually recently I had a motorcycle and then I also had a, you know, a top down Jeep recently. And so, um, those are more, you know, people like, these are my pride and joy. Don't you dare touch it kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, one other one that I would um, bring up that I feel like it's, it's hit and miss around here as far as, um, something that you used to see all the time and then something that we are still seeing and that's the dollar dance. Um, it, it used to be, I would say, good 80% of my couples would do the dollar dance. And I think it's probably down to 50% or less um, now that actually do that type of thing. If I do it 10% of the time, I'd be shocked. Really? Okay. So, so maybe it's still just ways, a Midwest thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a Midwest thing and the uppers kind of got rid of it a while ago. Uh, a couple weekends ago though, I had, I had an aunt come up to me and tell me that the night would be ruined if I didn't do a dollar dance. I think she was kind of joking. I think she was. But yeah, that's that's definitely one that I just really think that people are, are just kind of over, you know, because yeah. it, dera it derails the night, you know, it derails the night. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, uh, it sometimes, you know, I've had some really lengthy dollar dances that I almost am like, all right, we got to speed this up somehow. Like you got to dance with them for one second or like your other guests are going to start leaving because you've now just taken, you know, six songs to do the dollar dance instead of like two. Um, and so we we try to create, you know, an experience for them that if you're wanting to collect that honeymoon fund, here are some alternative ways um, for the dancing. Um, we also are finding that, you know, that, that another one was like the shoe auction, which you being originally from Western Kansas may, you know, be familiar with that where they auction off the bride's shoe and you don't actually get the shoe, but gets the money, which works really well when you have a really good auctioneer. Um, but I used to see that quite a bit too. Um, and that one, I, I see more people going towards the dollar dance if they are going to do something than that one. Yeah, the times that I really enjoyed that is when there was a family member who's an actual auctioneer, which I had an <laughs> uncle that was one and say, hey, but hip, hip, hip. And, if <laughs> the, uh, and if you get the groomsmen, um, you know, or bridesmaids really in on that and they're actually looking for bids, that's been entertaining. But what I saw that devolve into too often was you just got the drunkest member of the wedding party or the... Uh, you know, drunkest uncle or cousin or somebody, and they're just sitting there yelling into a microphone and it just got off the rails and like, yep, never, never doing that one again. And, uh, you know, there's not a, not an auctioneer at every single wedding. So there you go. Yeah. No, I agree. One other one I would point out is I don't hear too much of the, and, and maybe they're doing it, but I'm, they're just not telling me about it, but the whole, like something old, something new, something blue, um, you know, actually, 
yeah, bar, actually having those things incorporated, um, I don't hear about it too much where I used to like couples would really be thoughtful through all of those things. Um, and I just, maybe they're still doing them and I'm just not being alluded to what they are. Um, but I, I just don't hear much about that anymore. I have never had somebody tell me about that. Keep in mind, I'm a dude. And uh, <laughs> I don't know the DJ is normally brought up on that. That being said, one of my favorite commercials that I've seen in, you know, working in marketing and stuff like that, I, I love watching commercials and I always have. One of my favorite commercials, it was a Johnny Walker Blue commercial and it had uh, dad talking to his daughter and they just had done their first look and he goes through the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. He had all of that stuff and then they had uh, a cocktail of Johnny Walker Blue. I would do that. Um, that, that would get me into that. <laughs> that would get me into that. Love Johnny Walker Blue. Uh, all right. So we talked about the stuff that can die in some pretty good detail. And hopefully that was entertaining for everybody. Uh, let's talk about the things that we really think um, shouldn't go away. And some of these, I think we're going to start fairly, fairly easy where all it is is just this needs to be in your budget. And that's really it. Then we'll get into some things that are going to require, you know, a little bit of uh, more planning. And then we can get into some things that are, you know, you just have to really be thoughtful and think about your guests. Um, so the first one that I know we put together was coffee after dinner. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, as the, uh, you know, staff member of your wedding day that's been there probably the longest at this point of the night. Um, I'm all for coffee after dinner. It really gives me a pick, pick me up. But I, I do have a decent amount of the elderly guests come up to me um, pretty frequently asking me, like, is there coffee available? Um, and, and I think that that is, that's an older generation thing that it, it used to be when you had your, you know, A, the tiered cake, and, you know, and having great, you know, great aunts all cut the cake, uh, whether that be sheet cakes or this five-tiered wedding cake, um, that was a thing that you had this team of people cutting your cake um, and then, a little, you know, people serving coffee with it. I, I, I think it's a nice gesture for your guests. Um, it does help a little bit with the alcohol, um, you know, kind of trying to sober some people up. Um, it's a nice gesture for your vendors that are still there at that point. And I don't think you need to go all out on a, you know, huge coffee bar with all the different flavorings and stuff like that. And although I have had some of those and I love those weddings. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you met at a coffee shop where you were just diehard coffee fan, like absolutely make that your unique thing you bring to the wedding is a coffee bar. Um, and even if it's the dead of the summer, it, it's still people enjoy, you know, coffee with dessert. And so I think that even if it's just a small pump pot of, you know, regular and or decaf, I think it's a nice, cho nice choice. See, and I'm going to take it a step further. I think this one's probably the most non-negotiable of the entire list that we're going to have. I, I just think coffee has to be there. Full disclosure, I'm a coffee drinker. I, I drink a ton of it. Um, if I go out to eat at a restaurant, if, if it's uh, more than 50 bucks a person, I fully intend on having coffee. Um, and if it's uh, have one spoon of a bite of dessert and we kind of pass something around, I, just, I love having coffee at the end of a meal. I'm also one of those people that could go to bed 30 minutes after having a cup of coffee. I like the taste, which is messed up. But yeah, I, I'm with you. It's just uh, you don't have to have the the perfect um, you know coffee. You don't have to have an espresso bar or something like that. I I love it when those things happen. Uh, my preference is to have a good you know gravity fed uh, cold brew or an americano or something. But 
uh, I understand, you know, what kind of cost implication I'm, I'm putting in there, but just having the caterers brew a couple pots of institutional grade, <laughs> uh, you know, coffee and decaf, I think is uh, something that's definitely a non-negotiable. Uh, next one that we had on our list, uh, finger foods, a cocktail hour. Again, this is a budget thing that gets a little harder because it's more expensive, but what other thoughts do you have around that one? I think definitely if your cocktail hour is going to be more than 30 minutes, um, which obviously it's called a cocktail hour for a reason, it's intended to be an hour long for the couple to get all the after, you know, wedding pictures, especially if you're not doing a first look to get those all out of the way. Um, it's also meant to help guests who may need to travel, whether that's check into a hotel, maybe they want to change their clothes if it's allowed, you know, something like that, giving a buffer time in there for your guests to find something to do um, prior to the real event starting with your grand entrance. And so if that's going to be more than 30 minutes long, I think you have to feed them some sort of food. Um, I also think the timing of your ceremony will depict on like what type of food that is and then how long after cocktail hour does dinner actually happen will determine how, you know, heavy you go on those hors d'oeuvres. But the other thing to keep in mind is I've had weddings that have gone all out on cocktail hour appetizers and then they find that they have so much leftover dinner food because they served too heavy of appetizers. So it's a very fine line. Um, and, you know, if you're on a budget, it could be as simple as, you know, Chex Mix and a Trail Mix, you know, DIY bar or popcorn bars are very popular around here. Um, you know, I used to see candy bars all the time. I haven't seen a candy bar in a very long time. Um, but some people will incorporate more of a salt and sweet bar, um, sweet and salty type bar. And so I think that offering them something to a take in as they're taking in alcohol um, but also it, it kind of makes them mingle more and forget that they're still waiting on you yeah no i don't i don't have anything to add to that i think you nailed that perfectly uh <laughs> next one on the list and this gets more into the uh allowing time and uh planning vein um talking to everybody so you know, you, you plan your wedding, you invite all your guests, you, you pick your guest list for a reason. Um, you know, and, and here's another tradition that we can kind of weave into this. Uh, you know, I first got into this doing two, 300 person weddings where you invite the entire town in a small area in Western Kansas. I think some of that was geographical, but now, I mean, over 150 is, is typically, you know, big for, for mine. So when you think of the 150, I think it's fair to say you're probably going to have some kind of connection with all of those people. And, um, I think it's nice if you, you talk to everybody and they traveled, even if it is just across town, you know, they blocked a day off to be part of that. Like, what would you add to that? Like ways to do it thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's another thing that's been evolving over the years where before you saw the traditional receiving lines where the couple and their parents stood outside of the church and everybody shook their hand and congratulated them. And, you know, often that was also times that you got to meet the other side of the family like, oh, you know, here's my cousin so and so, you know, you haven't met yet. Um, and so that, that used to be a thing and it sometimes would take forever um, and really delay the reception beginning. And so that's why people started to traditionally go away from it is because they were trying to um, put more things in and church weddings became unpopular um, or not as popular. Um, and so you weren't 
you were seeing ceremonies and receptions being in the same location. And so they were just traveling from one area of the property to the other rather than getting in their car and driving to the reception. And so whether it's a, a receiving line, which again, I hardly ever see, um, we chose to eat before all of our guests and do our receiving line with just us as everybody made their way through a buffet. Um, I have had other people do that as well. Um, but more times than not, I see people just choosing to go table to table um, and trying to greet with their guests that way. I also see that's why people do the dollar dance still is because they use that time to, to mingle and greet with their guests. You're right. Like if your wedding is over 150 people, you know, it, you probably are a little closer to those guests and you will probably have a little bit more time um, allotment to go table to table where if you're looking at, you know, 30 plus tables, you may not have the time built into your reception to truly go to every table. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that. This is another one like coffee that I kind of consider a non-negotiable. It's just, you, you got to figure out the time to do it. And, you know, I think that you got to plan on having at least a good 30 minutes to make that happen. And I personal preference, what I think works the best is uh, do similar to what you're talking about, figure out a, a way to just get yourselves eating first. And, and, and even if you're doing a buffet, you can tell the caterers, make us both a plate with a little bit of everything and just bring it up to us. So when the wedding party goes, we can be purposeful about getting our food eaten. And then I like the idea of walking the tables, but um, nothing, nothing wrong with the receiving line. I've definitely seen what you did work really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I always encourage my couples to like, don't, don't eat too fast where you don't enjoy it and you give yourself stomach ache, but definitely like use that time as your wedding party goes through the line. And usually it's your family right afterwards, which I don't think that you need to greet their table. Like you probably see them on a regular basis. Um, but you know, when tables four five, six, you know, down the line start to be released, that's when you're, that's your guests. And so try to be done before that. So you can either a greet them at the buffet line or greet them as they're going to table. Um, and one thing I would bring up, you know, with the receiving line, the other alternative is for the couple to release the rose at the ceremony. And so it's a very quick receiving line because everybody sees that everybody else needs to get out of the church or whatever ceremony location you have. Um, but you give a quick, you know, thank you. Thanks for coming. Here's a hug, you know, and just really move down the line a little bit faster as a couple. Um, and I think that that's a definitely a great alternative. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and that was actually something I was going to say is, uh, be purposeful with things like this. I'm a big believer in control your narrative. And from this standpoint, it's control your timing. And, you know, so where I've seen receiving lines work really well is if you have one of uh, the parents or something that kind of works as the uh, timekeeper, you know, that's the, uh, we got to keep this moving, uh, so forth. And you can have a member of the wedding party be part of that. And, you know, if it's a maid of honor, best man, something to that effect, who's a family member, they can they can help kind of keep things moving. But what you're talking about is a good way to put things in a controlled scenario. And really, if it takes 10 minutes for everybody to get out of a ceremony, that's not the biggest issue in the world. It just can't take 30, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, that that's it. But just, you know, a lot an amount of time. And if it's a thing where you just turn it into a math problem of, you know, we have X number of guests and every single one of them deserves an average of 10 to 15 seconds of interaction, just kind of put that together and, you know, whatever that looks like, um, you know, make, make something to that effect work. And, you know, a lot of them are going to get it and just be like, Hey, just wanted to come say hi. And, and that's really all they want to do. And they understand that you're busy. They understand that you, 
put a lot of planning and, and everything into it and you want to enjoy. Um, another one that I really like is uh, figure out a way to be part of cocktail hour, you know, mingle around and, and be available and let people find you in some of the casual situations. And that gives you the ability to have more time on the dance floor later. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to my couples joining cocktail hour. I do find it awkward if they join cocktail hour, then they leave and do a grand entrance. So I usually try to encourage them, like, let's somehow do your grand entrance. And even though not everybody's in their seats during grand entrance, you know, it's kind of more of like hyping up the crowd rather than them really needing to see you um, because they just saw you at the ceremony. But I, I think if you can figure out a way to really hype up the crowd as you're coming into cocktail hour, like you would your grand entrance. Um, I think that's good. And then if you need some sort of other little introduction before um, reception, or maybe it's just, you know, the DJ, once everybody has taken their seats before dinner, just makes, you know, all right, like, let's give it up again for our happy couple and our wedding party again. You know, if you missed it during cocktail hour, you know, this is the, the, the crew you want to be with tonight, blah, 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 why we're all here. Um, clearly, I'm not a DJ. Uh, but they, that is, you know, I just think, yeah, make it if you can be part of all of the, the different mingling part of your days. And that's another thing that I find when couples sneak out for sunset photos, sometimes they take way too long during that time and they lose that mingling time with their guests as well because depending on, again, the timing of your day, sometimes those sunset photos happen earlier before the dance floor really has started and that's when your older guests are still there. And so if you dip out for 45 minutes to an hour to take sunset photos, those guests may not be there when you return. And so be conscious of, of what that timing looks like um, for your day. And like you said, purposeful with your time. Yep. And you segued perfectly into the next topic, which is uh, into the, the philosophical mindset type of thing. Uh, I'm a big believer that the weddings, the weddings for you, you know, and you can't forget about your guests. You know, you, you got people that block their day to be part of things. So there's a level of just, accommodating guests that needs to happen uh older music at the beginning for the older generation i mean i i love as a dj when my direction is here's the type of music we like here's the type of music our friends and family like when it's eclectic that's great but if it's uh here's the type of stuff that we like but we really want to make sure that people dance that tells me you know that i get a fully have um you know rain over reading the room and that's always going to start with playing some older music. You know, I, I like to genre hop. I like to era hop and things of that nature and see where I'm at with the crowd. But you got to be able to start with the, the older music and get the older crowd out on there. And, and if you if you bring an older the older crowd in early in the dance, sometimes you'll be surprised how uh, late they stay and how, you know, open minded they can be more of the newer modern type of stuff. So big believer in that. Yes. No, I agree. I absolutely probably a hundred percent of the time encourage my couples to start with the, the older genre of music and then work their way into the newer stuff um, and talk to my DJs like, Hey, like let's not play any of this before grandma goes home. Um, and, and, and I think that that, that, like you said, it's taking into account who you've invited to be part of your day and to be honest, if you as the couple want to truly enjoy your day and look back on your wedding day as it was the most memorable moment of your life, 
it really does come down to what that experience is and that experience you had with the people that are with you because it can take one negative comment from your guests to make you think like, oh, well, my wedding day wasn't that great. Um, and so if all your guests are having a good time, you are going to have a good time. And, and so you have to do those things. And that's, you know, making sure I have a lot of people that sometimes wait for cake to be served until later in the evening. Like, no, like the older generation want dessert right after dinner. Um, the same thing, like they want those older songs to dance to. They also want some slow songs mixed in there. Um, and so I think that you should appease most of your guests. And that's going to be a gradual move in your music genres um, in order to do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, you hit it all on, on the head. Um, the one thing that I just want to reiterate is, uh, you know, envision what you think the perfect wedding day is. And if it's uh, a crowd that goes till closing time, if it's a packed dance floor, you know, all of these things, keep in mind you need every guest to be packed, which means that they all have to hear something they want to hear. Yep, yep. And, that's it. and even I, I see the younger kids getting down to the older generation of music as well. And so it's just as much fun for them. Um, but sometimes needs more liquid courage. So play these oldies while they liquor up and then they'll be hot on the dance floor later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Now uh, raise your kids to have eclectic music taste. That's uh, my, my key tip here. What I do <laughs> makes all that stuff easier. All right. So the last one that I have on here is, um, a very philosophical type of thing. And it's that the uh, ceremony and the official marriage need to be treated as the event, as opposed to just some, for lack of better terminology, throwaway box that's being checked. Don't look at this as, oh, it's going to be 15 minutes max. It's going to be my friend that does this. Um, it's going to be, you know, done so we can get onto the party and everything. What are your, what are your thoughts based on that? I, I am very much an old school girl. I do. I tell my couples as we are starting their planning process about their ceremony and we're going through like, are you going to have a unity? Are you going to have a reading? Those kind of things. Absolutely. Your ceremony needs to be longer. Like the actual words of the ceremony need to be longer than it took you to walk down the aisle. Um, and I've had some that have been very short. Like I've even like looked up and thought, okay, wait, is there something going on? Like, I'm sorry, what did I just miss? Like, what, you're already kissing? Like, I'm so confused on what's happening right now. Um, and, and it really does, like, that is what we're all here for, is your guys' union. And no, you do not have to get, you know, you do not have to have a religious ceremony for your wedding day um, and your marriage, you know, to be, to be what it needs to be. That's obviously all up to each their own. But put some thought into it, like truly think about the words that are going to be said, not only by you too, but your officiant, like that's what people are listening to. Um, I am not a huge fan of, you know, rambling on, uh, you know, and, and giving like huge marital advice, because um, I've, I've seen that done very poorly. But I think, you know, incorporating a reading or, or a poem or a, you know some sort of thoughtful message from your officiant is very nice um i do love it when they do personal vows that adds a you know a little bit lengthier usually um time in there um unities i would say would be one of those traditions that we're seeing come and go as far as having you know it used to be everybody did a unity candle and now you know then it switched to unity sand and now you have about 50 million ways you can do a unity ceremony. Um, and that's kind of hit and miss. Some people do it, some people don't. I'm still a big believer in them. Um, and then, you know, 
if you are going to have somebody that is maybe not um, necessarily a pastor or, you know, something of that nature, and you are just having a friend be ordained, like, be careful of the stories that are told during your ceremony um, and how respectful those are and how they blend with the rest of your ceremony. Um, but I, I do like when there's some personal touches where um, the officiant really does tell some stories about the couple or their relationship um, and some heartfelt, you know, message to there. So I think a ceremony should not be less than 20 minutes. Like, and I'm not talking about the processional being and recessional being included in that. When I think of a ceremony, and I think this is different for a lot of people, and I, and I say this because I just worked with a different DJ company that gave me a planner, and he has like, ceremony starts at four o'clock, families walk in at four or five, and I'm like, eh, like I kind of see it as in the processional starts, and then at four o'clock, by golly, like we're we're going to be, you know, really starting the wording of it. And so I think 20 minutes of verbiage happens for a ceremony um, and then it takes you know five minutes of walking in and five minutes of potential walking out and so you're looking at 30 minutes for a ceremony in my opinion yeah and i'll, I'll boil my thoughts down uh even a little more simplistic than that it's just think of all the big things that you as a wedding planning couple spend your time and emotional effort planning stressing over all of those things um playlist what the dinner settings look like, what um, the colors look like, what the decor looks like. The ceremony should get an equal amount of weight. That's that's really all I would say is make sure you put that much effort into it. And I bet you hit your 20 minute mark. You know, you don't mm -hmm. even need to strive for that to hit it if you put the amount of thought that I think is necessary into it. Um, and that's really the only uh, only extra comments I would add. Yeah, and you know, we're obviously not marriage counselors here, although I'd like to pretend uh, that I uh, am one sometimes and often get put in that role. But I mean, I think it, it's, you know, the same thing, like you, you stress over this party that you're going to be planning that truly is one day of your life. Hopefully your marriage, I just got hired to be um, a coordinator for a 70th wedding anniversary. Um, and I'm like 70 years with that blows my mind. That is amazing. Now, granted, they got married when they were 16 and they're 86 now. Um, but I am so excited to be a part of that celebration. Um, and truly, like your marriage, their marriage lasts 70 years. Your party was one day. So put that thought into truly what you're you're wanting to say and the the moment of you two actually becoming, you know, husband and wife or whatever it may be. Yeah, and to tie this back to the topic of being an old school thing, uh, all your older guests, you know, your family—that's what they came for. They didn't—they didn't come for you know a dance necessarily. They came for in this order to see you get married, and be supportive there, to have a good dinner. Just to be clear about that, <laughs> and then to uh, and then to be part of the celebration at the end. So yeah, there we go. Um, any other uh, traditions that you're thinking about that we should add to this? <laughs> Gosh, no. I mean, when you we talked about dinner and, and, and like the cake cutting and stuff, like I would say cake, like wedding cake is not necessarily as big of a tradition as it once used to be um, either. Um, but I think that's just, you know, everybody's palates are changing kind of thing. And, you know, you don't need the 
the multi-tiered wedding with the the plastic bridge and the waterfall fountain coming <laughs> from it with the lights. Um, I remember that was my parents' wedding cake in their pictures. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that's one tradition that you just don't see as much anymore. Yeah, for sure. And you can uh, pick that as a good or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all for donuts, so I'm good with no I, cake. I mean, I don't even want to know what that cake would cost today. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you'd have a hard time finding a baker that's really interested in doing it. But Yes. Anyway. All right. Well, I, I think that's uh, going to go ahead and wrap us up for this one. So until next time, take care. Cheers and happy wedding planning. That's it for today's episode of the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. We hope you found our advice helpful and inspiring. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out with your questions, wedding planning challenges, or topic ideas for future episodes. Follow us on social media for updates, behind-the-scenes content, and a chance to connect with our community of wedding enthusiasts. And remember, your dream wedding is just around the corner. Thanks for joining us on this wonderful wedding planning journey. Until next time, stay excited, stay organized, and keep creating unforgettable memories.